Okay, welcome. Welcome to God's house. Welcome if you're joining us online. So good to see you here. At least some people didn't want to brave the roads this morning. The snow kind of scares you sometimes, doesn't it? You know, but, you know, it's going to be gone by the end of the day. I want to say welcome. Uh, if you're watching online, welcome. If you joined us here in person. And if you're here for the very first time, very special welcome to you. Um, you know, we believe that God is, uh, the church is God's house, is God's home. We're going to talk about that this morning. And if you've received one of those welcome packages, could you please fill it out? <clears throat> just let us know who you are. And we just want to send a thank you for joining us this morning. So good to be in the house of God. Amen? Amen. Yeah, so good to be in this house. Special uh, w- a week coming up. We're just so excited about uh, Easter time and uh, that resurrection story is going to be such a powerful thing. And so, yeah, invite your friends and show up and let's really celebrate what God has done for us. Amen? You know, I was, um, we're into a new season. We're into a new month. And usually we start the month off with a new theme. And, uh, and I was all set to do that. I was working on a, my message for the next theme, which is going to be called God is Good, the Good Things of God. Uh, and we're talking about the goodness of God. But I just, as I was working this week, I just held this, had this feeling in my spirit that I needed to preach one more message regarding, you know, being the church. And that's what our, our, our last series, this last series was all about, was being the church. And so I, I, I just, I had to kind of put aside what I was doing and then concentrate on, on this message. So, yeah, I believe that this is what God wants us to hear this morning. So are you ready for it? Okay, bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's commit this time to God. Thank you, Father. Everyone that you created is so special. Thanks for bringing people to the house of God this morning. Thanks for opening up our ears to hear what you're going to say to us. So when we hear this message, Lord, help us to hear this message, combine it with faith, faith that travels right down to our feet. And, And when it does that, it will glorify you, and it will greatly benefit us. So thank you for this word today. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> amen. We're talking about Be the Church. My message is entitled this, this, this week, His House, His Home. His House. Can we just say that? His House, His Home. Oh, our Home. His House, Our Home. Sorry, I misled you there. Okay. I believe, I believe that more and more that we will begin to realize how incredibly valuable, maybe absolutely necessary it is to be a part, a vibrant part of God's house, a local church. And as we head further and further into this current decade, that we're going to see that literally being a part of God's house and God's church will literally become a matter of life and death. And, uh, and, it's, and spiritually speaking, um, of course, I'm speaking, first of all, spiritually, right? So Psalm 27, verse 4 says, the psalmist says, One thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple. The one thing, the one thing I seek most is to dwell in God's house. These words were written by David, King David. David was one of the greatest men who ever lived. And 
he's talked about a lot in the Bible. Yeah, David. He was a great man, but he had his ups and downs. And he made big mistakes, didn't he? But David's passion for God was strong and remained strong. And the Bible tells us, even in Acts, that David fulfilled his purpose, his calling in his generation. Acts 13, 36 says that he fell asleep and that he was buried with his ancestors, but not before he did this, before he had served God's purpose in his own generation. And then he fell asleep. And then he went to be buried with his ancestors and be with the Lord. David was one of the greatest men ever, who ever lived. David is mentioned in the Bible more than any other person, of course, than, our, than the Son of God, Jesus. He's mentioned in the Bible 971 times. Jesus is mentioned actually 1,281 times. He's the most important, right? Because he's the Son of God. Moses is mentioned 803 times. Jacob, 336 times. Abraham, 295 times. David, his secret. You know what David's secret to a successful life was? You know what it was? Here it is. To love God and to love his house. That's the key to his success. His house is our home. And really, there's no place like home, is there? No place like home, where home is where the heart is. When there's love in the home, there's joy in the heart. Would you agree with me? Home is where love resides, where there's love in the house. Love resides where memories are created, where families belong, and the laughter never ends. Really, it's home sweet home. Think about how many songs were written about home? Many songs, all kinds of songs were written about home. Can you think of any? Here's one. Hope this doesn't outdate you. Try to say it. Sing it. Take me home, country road, to the place I belong. Remember that one, right? Some of you guys remember that. Yeah, some of you do. How about, the, how about sweet home Alabama, right? You know, where the skies are blue. We, we, well, let's take out Alabama. Let's put in Alberta. Sweet home Alberta, where the skies are blue. Lord, sweet home Alberta. Lord, I'm coming back to you. I love Alberta. I hope you do too. So here, God in his goodness, in his goodness, in his love for us, gives us this beautiful gift, and it's called family. In Genesis chapter 1, God says, it is not good. He says to Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. So what does he do? He gives Adam Eve, and he gets them married so they could be one. And then he says, be fruitful and multiply. In other words, go have some kids, as many as possible. So God gives us family. He gives us a home. He gives us a physical, natural family. And that's the blessing of God, isn't it? But not only does God give us a natural family, he also gives us a spiritual family, his house, his home. What a beautiful thing. You know, and more than ever, I say more than ever, there's this hunger for home. In an ever-increasing, increasingly fatherless and a motherless world, in a broken world, in a dysfunctional world, young people are craving, they're desiring this God-made thing called home. 
aren't they? There's this movement among young people. God is drawing young people back to a place called home, to, to home. You know, home is so important. See, they, I believe that God, there's a desire that God has placed in, in, in us. It's placed by God in us for, for pe- in, in people, for, for family, for family. It's so important because, listen, without family, without home, what are we? We're alone. We're alone. And that's the worst place to be. And the Bible tells us that God set people in families to deal with the loneliness and aloneness. You just can't make it in this life without a family. I see without a spiritual family. Some of you and your natural families are all busted up and maybe they're super dysfunctional. Maybe you're disconnected, but God gives you even a better, even a greater gift called a spiritual family. It's called the house of God. It's the church. And listen, your spiritual family is going to way outlast your natural family, right? The relationships that you're going to have are going to be taken right up into heaven. Your greatest relationships will be your spiritual family. I believe that. And that's why our, our number one priority should be home. See, we have a saying here. We picked it up from our, our home church in Red Deer. And it goes this way. Everybody needs Jesus and everybody needs a home. Would you agree with that? Home is a healing word. Home is a healing word. Home is what we long for. Home is what we need. Home is the place of love. Home is the place of security. Home is the place of joy. The home is, is the place of protection. The home of, uh, is the place where God provides for us through his home. Home is what God gives us. And so today, what I want to do is I want to help you understand the incredible value and, and, and to really appreciate what God has given to us in his home. Can we do that? Okay, I'm going to give you four things. Here's what home is. Four things that home is. Number one, it's a place of protection. It's the place of your protection. And I think that there's probably never been a greater, more necessary revelation today for the times that we're living in, for God's people. Psalm 27, verse 4, it was David that said, The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And then he says in verse 5, for, or you can see, because, for he will conceal me there when trouble comes. Will trouble come into your life? Is there trouble coming into our world? You bet there is. Even Jesus said, in this world, you will have what? Trouble. There is a great spiritual awakening taking place on our earth today. We're hearing all kinds of reports of this. this we're, we're, you know, it's, been, it's actually being called the third great awakening. The third great awakening. And it could even be, I don't know how long it's going to last, but it could be the last one too. But along, and I said this last week, along with the third great awakening is another awakening taking place. And it's, it's the awaken, the great, it's the awakening or it's the great of the great returning of people people who have left church, who got disconnected, especially over the last two or three years, people who kind of got strayed away from church, maybe because of a hurt or because of an offense, because of religion, because, you know, because church, you know, wasn't such a great blessing to them. And these, and there are so many people, they say, you know, some of the most necessary 
people to be evangelized and be called is the people who have actually left churches in the last, dec- last cut decade. And so these people, I believe the Spirit of God is calling these people and, and, and these people are, are heeding the call. And I would dare say that some of you are here because you've heeded the call of the Spirit and God is drawing you back to church. And He's doing this because of what's coming into our world. And I, I, I don't want to be a bearer of bad news, and I'm not trying to be that, because it's good news we're trying to preach. But listen, you know, sometimes we have to say, you know, sometimes it might get bad before it gets really good, right? And so I believe it's going to get worse before it gets better. What we're seeing developing in our world is not really good, right? And so here, I think of what God is doing, and, and, I'm, and I realize that it's, it's, it's the Lord. It's God out of His mercy and His love. And he's calling people back home, back home, back to his place of protection, to a real home, not some religious institution, not some social or entertainment club, but to his sanctuary, to his security, staying with the Lord in the secret place. Amen? Not letting anything distract you from your purposes or the purposes of God in your family. And here David says, For he will conceal me when trouble comes. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. So home is where God conceals me. He hides me, hides me, and he places me out of trouble, high upon the rock. So we see David's saying, it's the hand of God, and he's leading me to the place of safety. And it's so obvious. There's so much much fear in our world. So many people are driven by fear today. And, and just list them, the fear of the economy, fear of uh, the future, fear of the world ending, fear of, of, the, of a next world war, fear of the government, fear of the next virus, the next greatest deadly environment that's going to wipe out a third of our planet. I could go there. <laughs> I don't want to go there. You know? you know, it's coming. So run, be fearful, hide. Protect yourself, right? Isn't that what what the world is trying to tell you? What the devil is trying to tell you? Fear of no... How about fear of no cell service? Does anybody fear that? Do you ever walk out the door, get in your car? I don't have my phone. What do you do? Mickey, you turn, you go back. At least I do. Anybody have a fear of spiders? There are are like 500 phobias and fears in this world that are recorded and documented. There's one actually, it's the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. There's a name for that one. You know, there are big fears, there are small fears. And let me tell you, if you're constantly watching the news, you will be full of fear. You know, stop watching all that news. Sometimes the best thing you could do is, is just turn it off. You know, I hear a lot of amens. I think we're starting to get wise. You know If you're constantly watching mainstream news, you will be full of fear. But if you're a born-again, spirit-empowered believer, then you have nothing at all to fear. Amen? Isaiah 43, verse 1, But now this is what the Lord says. Do not fear, for I have ransomed you. You know what God says? You are mine, lock, stock, and barrel. I paid you. The price I paid was the precious blood of my son. 
son, and you belong to me. You are mine. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burnt. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Wow. Praise the Lord. We need to get a much greater, deeper understanding for the days that are ahead of us. I say we are living in unique times. You can, we can feel the birth pains. There are birth pains that we can feel. And, you know, and I believe, like one of the prophets said, that, that the 2020s, that this decade could be the most consequential decade in human history. Could be the greatest decade ever in all of history. And there's no going back to normal. We are living in turbulent times, spiritually, economically, socially, for the nations. And I believe right now we're on, we're, see, we're hearing things, we're seeing, uh, you know, what's happening down, particularly in the U.S. And, and really, they are, and probably we are getting close to it, on the very urge, uh, edge of a financial collapse. In the, in the U.S., the banking systems are near to collapsing. And whatever happens in Canada or in the U.S. will ripple down and affect us, you know, in some way, won't it? So you know, we need to be in prayer about what we do with our money and our assets too as well. You know, and the, banking, the bankers are going to tell you, we got a solution. Let's go digital. Go digital. We'll go to a digital banking system. We'll set up our own digital currency. And then we'll convert everything into digital. You know what? And they think that's the answer to, your, to, to the world's economic problems. No, it's not. Digital means banks will have total control and will limit what you can buy, spend, where you can go, everything that you do, everything that you own. You know, we need to be wise in these times. Amen? You know, we think, you know, this, this is a Sunday morning, and this is, this is the, I'm trying to preach the gospel, but the gospel is relevant to the day that we're living in. Amen? And whatever happens here, whatever we do here can affect what happens there. And whatever that happens out there can affect what happens to us. Amen? So there, there, there's a relationship there. And we don't ever want to be blind and say, we're just going to just never talk about what's happening in the world. You know, I believe that's ignorance. And, and I, God will hold me responsible if I don't say anything to you because I, I care for you. I love you guys. And, and I, I want God's blessing on your life. So anyway, I want, to, I want to go too far that way. But we look at what's happening in the world. We see a drug crisis in our world. We see that in our city alone. No, there's an immigration crisis that's happening in the world. With all the war, wars and threats of wars and all the government upheavals, there are migrations of people moving, trying to get away from what they think is going to be a, a bad situation, economically, physically, you know, for them. And, and it's becoming an immigration problem. And, it was, and there's also a food crisis that's developing as, as well. And many people are telling us to be wise, you know, and store up, stock up. You know, even on toilet paper, because messy times are, get, are ahead, of us, ahead of us. Some of you got that. You know, there's a political power struggle going on with China right now. And it's a big, and it's a big huge concern to many nations. You know, and, and I say all these things, and I'm not saying these things to put you into fear. 
into fear. I don't want to do that, but, I'm, I'm, but, I'm, but I want to put you in a place of preparation for anything that possibly happens in the future. Amen? Because no matter what's coming, no matter what's happening, you can, you can say with, you can say with, with, the, with surety, God will protect me, God will hide me, and he will conceal me in the, the safe places. Amen? He will place me. You know, when my mom was 68 years old, we got a call from the hospital. And they said, your mom's on her deathbed. And so we gathered around the family around her bed. And we prayed for her to be healed and raised up. She was in a coma. God heard. God raised her up. You know, and it happened again when she was 85 years old. We did the same thing. She lived in good health. So she was 93 years of age. Then the Lord took her home as a believer in Christ. And oh, but this woman received Christ. God does miracles. What does James say? What does the Bible say? If you're sick and need healing, run, go to the house. Ask the elders to pray for you. And the prayer that is offered up in faith will heal the sick person. Do you believe that? Amen. When the economy went bad in the 1980s, Karen and I were just barely married. And I was an advertising sales representative for a TV station here in Lethbridge. The sales absolutely dried up. I had to quit my job. But you know what? God provided another job. And boy, did he provide richly. In the midst of that recession, I flourished financially in a new job like never before. God is good. I want to share this about one of our families. What a tremendous family in our church called the Iberas. When Joseph and Eden... They had the toddler drowned in a bathtub, and the doctors told them, and I remember talking to the doctors, there's death in the blood, it's over, it's done. You know what they did? They ran to God's house. They ran to God's house. And, and, God, and, and they got people praying. It was an absolute miracle. And he's alive and he's well today. You can go meet him later on if you want to. It's a miracle. It's a product because of their faith. Amen. I remember Karen and I, we've been in ministry almost 30 years. And we made some good friends, and sometimes you lose friends, sometimes you will lose friends. We had friends with school ways back, a ways back we that literally abandoned us as their, as their friends in the ministry. And they said that they would always be there. But you know what? God concealed us, God kept us, and God encouraged us. And we're still here, and we're thriving. Amen? Listen, God never said, that you would not go through the fire. What did he say? That you would not get burned. He didn't say you would not go through the waters. But what did he say? You will not drown. Amen? God says, he says, do not fear. When trouble comes, I will conceal, hide, and place you. I see some people don't like God's rules. No, but God's rules protect us. God's word guides us, right? And some some people don't like pastors. But pastors are there to shepherd you and encourage you but not only to shepherd and encourage you they're also there to rebuke you and correct you amen under the influence of god's word in god's house is his influence in god's house is his presence his voice his word his people it's a good place and these things they're not to constrain you but they're to bless you they're to save you and keep you safe within his walls. His house, his home, is a place of protection, is a place of safety. Number two, 
I'll go quickly. Quickly. Quicker. Okay. Home is a place of residence and relationship. Residence and relationship. A residence is a place of relationship and belonging. First Chronicles 29 verse 1 says, then, then King David turned to the entire assembly and said, My son Solomon, whom God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel. He, he talked about Solomon. He says, he's the next king. And Solomon was called to build the temple. And, and David said, the work ahead of him is enormous. For the temple he will build is not for mere mortals. It is for the Lord himself. This place is not just a place for people. It's a place for the Lord, right? This is the place where God can meet with us, not just so we can just meet with each other. It's about relationship. And we know that Jesus died so that we can have relationship with him and the Father. Sunday is a day for us to meet with God and to hear him speak to us. And... I don't go out of obligation, not because I have to. I go out of relationship, right? Because of my my relationship with God and relationship with my family. You know, um, at home, Karen and I, um, we have this big king-size bed. And it's the time when, you know, every evening we we just love to to, uh, relax on the bed. And, And a couple of weeks ago, we had our grandkids stay with us, two of our grandkids. And so they said, and we decided, well, tonight let's, let's watch a movie. So we said, well, let's, let's watch it in, on, on the bed. So we all got into our pajamas, and we, we all piled onto that bed, and we watched a movie, and I picked it out. Uh, we watched a movie, but it was called Here Comes the Boom. Anybody seen that? Here Comes the Boom with Kevin James. It was... I mean, we never laugh. I never laughed so hard for so long, and it was so much fun. You know what it was? It was a joy of being together. And then when there was room for everyone except the dog. I don't like Rosie on our bed, you know. <clears throat> and I say, maybe that's a good picture. Maybe that's a good metaphor of what our church should be like. You know, after all, aren't we all God's kids, right? And no, we. And so we, as God's kids, we all come together, and we can all pile on to. God's bed of fellowship and faith and fun, right? And, and we, can, we can, you know, we love and we can do this. We can just do this every week. We can gather together as often as we can. And this is the place because that's the place of, of laugh, of love, acceptance, and forgiveness, right? That's what, that's what Pastor Leon said. You know, he built his church on laugh. You know, it's an acronym for love, acceptance, and forgiveness. And also... Step. Um, it also meant fun. It's a place where we can have fun. So just like in a natural, when you choose a home, when you buy a home, what's the next thing you got to do? You got to move into it. You got to settle in. Would you agree with that? And so it's the same thing in the natural, in the spiritual. And into God's house, you got to move into the church. You got to move in and you got to move closer into relationships. In other words, you've got to make yourself at home. So, question, how do you make yourself at home here in God's house? Here's how you do it. Number one, you make yourself at home by not missing a a family meal. Every Sunday, we come together to relax, to enjoy fellowship. We get to know one another. 
Don't miss a family meal. Number two, we connect into a small group. We get to pray, we get to learn, we get to grow, we get to, meet the, we get to love one another, one another. We get to connect. We don't have to, but we get to. Number three, to make yourself at home, serve somewhere. Oh, I think, Jason, would you agree with that? Serve somewhere. How about in the sound booth? Guys are waving. Yeah, say, serve. You know, actually, just about every area of ministry, we could use servants, people who serve. Amen? So, serve somewhere. When our kids growing up were just little, we got them serving. We got them clearing off the table at supper time, lunch time. And as they got older, we got them unloading the dishwasher. And the older the ki- our kids got, the more responsibility that we gave them. So, you know, I believe the more the responsibility they had in the house, and I believe that <clears throat> if you're a member of this house, you should be serving in some area. You know, look at an area where you could serve. You know, everyone should be serving. You know, I, I encourage you, get on the team. And number four, to make yourself at home, give financially. And why? Because it's now your house. You know, when I was a kid, home was provided for me. But now that I'm growing up, you know, I now provide a, a, a home for my children and not even for my grandchildren. You know, providing is just a sign of maturity, isn't it? I want to give. I don't have to give. I want to give. And number five, <clears throat> make yourself at home by also inviting others in. You know, our kids, when they were little, in our neighborhood in Tabor, they would always invite one of the kids over. And sometimes we'd have supper time, and there's this other kid sitting there. He says, oh, who are you? Right? <clears throat> and that happened quite a bit. So just like our kids, let's invite. Let's invite our friends to dinner, to you know, invite them to church, and let's keep in invite, inviting. Acts 2.42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, which we're going to do today, and to prayer. And the Lord added, it was just the beginning of the church. Number three, home is a place of progress and growth. Psalm 128, verse 3. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine flourishing in your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. And I've said this before. I'll say it again. You can see the character and the spirituality of a man, of a husband, by looking at his wife and kids. Do you agree with that? What are they wearing? Is there joy on their faces? And here it says, like fruitful vines, our wives will be like fruitful vines, our children will be like olive trees. They are growing. What are they doing? They are growing in the house. Psalm 92 verse 12, but the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. Verse 13 says, Planted in the house of the Lord, they were flourished in the courts of our God. Home is a place where I'm growing in God. Home is a place where my kids are growing in God. Home is a place where I'm becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, a true follower, and I'm not stagnant in my faith. Amen? You know, Barna did a survey, and he asked a group of Christians this question. Do you really believe that you're a believer in Christ? Are you, do you feel that you are growing in your faith or do you feel that your faith is kind of stagnant? 
And they said 80% of Christians admitted that they had gone stagnant in their faith. It's time to become a disciple. Amen? And I think about, you know, you know myself as a father and as a believer in Christ. And, and, and honestly, I could see the older I get, the older I get, all I want to see are my kids and my grandkids and hopefully even my grandkids serving God and loving God with all their heart. That would be my greatest reward. Amen? I believe that, you know, the greatest, the closest thing to our hearts is our kids. And I know some of you kids, many, you know, there are many kids that have gone prodigal. And I believe the Spirit of the Lord wants you to stand up and call your kids home to the Lord. And keep on declaring, my kids will come back to Christ. And I believe they will see a movement in this awakening of seeing the prodigals return to Jesus Christ. Because nothing is impossible for him to do. Amen? Amen. Home is a place of progress and it's a priority. Number four, home is where we are centered on Jesus and built together as his people. Let me see that again. It's the last one. Home is where we are centered on Jesus and built together as his people. The greatest institution on earth is the church. And you've heard this before. We don't just go to church. We, what? We are the church. We are the church. And that's what 1 Peter chapter 2, 5 says. And you are living stones. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Ephesians 2, 20. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus himself. He's the cornerstone. He's the first stone that's set into the foundation. And the entire structure, entire structure is determined by Jesus. He's the one that determines the position of the entire structure. And we are fit into his house. Amen? God knows our shape and he fits us in by his grace. We are in line because of him. We are fit, fit together because of him. And I believe that in these days, God's desire is to dwell with us. And his desire is so that we can know him. And I think there's this, there's this gap sometimes times between us really knowing God, like knowing him in, in a relationship that's, that's more on intimacy than just based on knowledge, you know, and, and maybe a few experiences that we have in the past. And I believe that God wants to close that gap and to, so that we can know him. Daniel chapter eleven thirty two says, By smooth words, he will turn to godliness, godlessness, those who act wickedly toward the covenant. Do you know that Jesus made a covenant with us of his, through his blood? It says, But the people who know their God will display strength and take action. Listen, it was Jesus who gave us this, this assignment to bring the whole world into a relationship with himself so that he can fit him into his house. And I believe he's preparing us to be workers in the end time harvest, to be the church. And I believe that you and I have a great place to, to play. And I believe that God has challenged us to really be the church today. No, no, we are not going to be Sunday morning Christians. Amen? Amen. 
We are not going to be Sunday morning Christians. But we're going to take the training and equipping that's even going on in our church right now so that we as a church, we can display strength and we can take action to move forward and to reach this world for Jesus Christ. One of the prophets said, recently said this, we must actively prepare the church for the most difficult but the best days ahead. And this is the best time to be alive. I believe this, that God is literally setting us into his story, into history of redeeming humanity on earth. And I believe he's challenging us to be a transformed people, transformed by allowing the work of Holy Spirit in us to be a people who express and model Jesus to, the, to others around us so that we, so that he and we can draw people into his story, into history, so that they can also be transformed and they can be added to his house. God wants our lives to be so transformed that it literally inspires others to want the same thing. And so that through our lives, Jesus is revealed to the world. No, he's coming back. His return is imminent and he could be coming soon. We don't know. Psalm 23, verse 6. And this is the message version. It says, Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. I love God and I love his house. Here's why on your PowerPoint. I love God's house because it's his place of safe, protection and safety. It's a place of residence and relationship. It's a place of progress and growth. It's a place of provision and peace. It's a place of his presence, his people, and his purpose, and it's a place of healing. Can I ask you, how many of you are thankful for the, for the house of God? Amen? How many of you are thankful for the house of God, for what God has given us? Okay, so I want you to pray and declare with me. You don't have to. You get to. Okay, are you ready? You say this. Let's say this to the Lord. His house is my home. Your house is my home. Because that's my home, I will make it a priority. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Let's make it a priority. Bow your heads, please. Thank you, Father. <clears throat> Father in heaven, I want to thank you for the house. I thank you for the people who serve and all the various teams in the house. And I thank you that every person can come here to this house and belong, be loved, and to feel needed. And Jesus, I pray for more people who will willingly offer their gifts, their talents, their abilities, their service, yeah, even their wealth. I pray for more teams so that our church can grow in its mission, go strong in its mission to reach people for Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just keep your heads bowed just for a minute. I say that Jesus Christ <clears throat> came to this earth to fulfill his mission. And then that was to deliver all of us from sin, hell, and death. And how did he do that? He did that by dying on the cross shedding his blood to pay for our sins. 
And because of the cross, every single one of us, all your sins are forgiven. Because of the cross, we can have this incredible thing called the gift of eternal life. Salvation is the greatest gift that you could ever receive on earth. And it's merely received by inviting, believing in Jesus, what he did for you, and just inviting him into your heart by faith. And if that's you that's here today, you're watching today, and you need Jesus, you need to be saved from hell and death, and you need a new start in your life, then I invite you to just say this very simple prayer. And I promise you, it will be the most powerful prayer that you will pray. So if that's you, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for giving your life, shedding your blood to pay for my sins. Today, I invite and I receive you into my heart to be Lord and Savior of my life. And Lord, I commit to live the rest of my life for you and your purposes. In Jesus' name, I ask and pray. Amen and amen.